Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Have you been worrying about the equine flu outbreak that's been taking over the UK? Well, I've been panicking. So I decided today our guest would be a specialist in equine flu. He's called David Rendell. He works at Rainbow Equine Hospital in North Yorkshire, where he's responsible for internal medicine, critical care, and he's got a particular interest in respiratory, ocular and gastrointestinal diseases, along with publishing a number of research papers. He's going to know all about the flu and is going to give us some advice on what to look out for. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Now, if you're as scared as I am, then you've been freaking out this week with the problems of equine flu. So my guest today is David Rendell. David, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, all good. A little a little jaded with equine flu, but otherwise, all good. Well, has it been... I was going to say, you've got such a long intro that there's lots that I could read about your history. You know, you've worked in Australia, um, you've worked in private practice in the UK, you've travelled all over the world, but you, you've got a particular interest in endocrine, respiratory, ocular and gastrointestinal diseases. So for anybody that's, you know, not that intelligent like me, um, that could never be a vet, that sounds quite complicated but what it means is you know about equine flu uh well yeah hopefully uh <laughs> yes yeah, so i deal with i deal with sick sick horses rather than horses with poorly legs that don't run very fast so uh, infectious disease is an important part of what we do so yes yeah, so that comes under my remit so that i always find quite technical because at least with the legs you can do a nerve block or you can have a little scan and see what's going on but what it seems with internal medicine it's a, a bit of a guessing game really well, hopefully it's not a guessing game. Um, and I, I suggest that the surgeons probably guess the same amount we do but uh, when they're dealing with legs. But hopefully none of what we do is a guessing game or less and less so. There is still a huge amount we don't know about horses' legs and about horses' organs and about how horses respond to infectious disease. But hopefully there's less and less guesswork as time goes on and science advances. But uh, there's certainly a lot of jigsaw puzzling goes on um, and there's often uncertainty with what we do. Um, so, uh, yeah, there can be some some things you need to piece together and fill in the gaps um, but that is um yeah it's part of the job really well it's been fascinating this week um seeing different people's reactions really to to the the equine flu outbreak i mean when we first get got yeah. told that uh, the racing industry were saying they're not going to race anymore i think that sent everyone into a complete meltdown didn't it well a little bit you've had you've had you've had criticisms from all sides and and some very extreme viewpoints which suggest to me that probably the the middle ground is the sensible ground um it, it makes a change from brexit i guess but you you get equally <laughs> polarized people on both sides of the argument uh, all with valid all with valid points um but yeah I, I personally think that the way it's been handled to date, and that's a constantly moving feast, is is totally appropriate. Um, people are very quick to criticise, but the decision makers that are running this thing, um, and I sit on the British Equine Veterinary Association Council, so we have some peripheral involvement. The decision makers are not are not making knee-jerk responses. They're not making decisions without information. Everyone is working together. Everyone has experience of modelling previous flu outbreaks. They have a lot of very complex mathematical models that I couldn't begin to understand that they're plugging data into and they're looking at the best way out of, of the predicament we find ourselves in and clearly nobody wants racing or any other equestrian sport to stop. 
uh, everyone wants the minimum of disruption, but sometimes short-term pain is necessary for longer-term gain. Um, oh, David, I think so, it's been yeah, amazing. I, like, genuinely, I think the, the the way that it's been handled, yes, we've gone into a meltdown, but I go into a meltdown if my horse cuts itself. So, you know, I think that's just our general, we, we panic and we we want the best. And it, and it is, it, it does sound really scary when you say, you know, equine flu outbreak. You think, oh my goodness, are they going to die like how serious is this um but the way that it's been handled means that we've managed to prevent it from being spread across the whole of the uk you know there are sadly some places that do have it um but i think if they hadn't taken that really quite brave stance to say no right now we're not we've got three cases we're not going to spread it any further i think that was pretty incredible uh, yeah, I agree. Um, it's the first time we've not raced, as far as I'm aware, since 1981 as a result of a flu outbreak. So, so yeah, it was a brave move. And personally, I think it was the right move. Uh, and the important thing is that it's a, it's a fluid situation and they're prepared to, to revise that decision at any time. And as, as we sit here, there's going to be a decision after 10.30 tonight on whether racing goes ahead later this week. So, yeah, a lot of people are doing an awful lot of work and they're making informed decisions, which I think is, yeah, is highly commendable. So before we go into what could we do or what could we have done better or how could we prevent it, um, in terms of right now, I'm sure people have been Googling and searching and phoning their vet and going, oh, goodness, what what can I do with my horse? You know, um, what can you suggest? Uh, well, it's very straightforward. Ensure your horse is vaccinated. Uh, vaccinated horses, contrary to whatever people might be hearing or reading in the media, vaccinated horses are well protected. Uh, a lot has been made of the fact that this strain might be different from previous strains. Well, it probably is very slightly and it will have mutated very slightly. But that, that is, that's a constant phenomena with flu virus, whether it's in horses or with other species. So that's just something we accept as, as part of the challenge. Uh, and yeah, we know very well that the vaccines that we have available to us in the UK are working well in this current outbreak. Uh, so if people's horses are vaccinated, they're at, they're at minimum risk. Uh, they might show some very mild signs in in some occasions, but generally speaking, they will be well they'll be well protected. The concern uh, is the fact that 60 to 70 percent of the UK horse population uh, aren't vaccinated, uh, which which is a, a constant source of frustration for vets. Uh, and those people really do need to get their horses vaccinated to to protect them. If, if horses are vaccinated and people are sensible, whilst this is very inconvenient, uh, there, there really ought not to be any particularly catastrophic sequelae. But we do know, sadly, that one non-vaccinated horse has now died um, and other non-vaccinated horses are very sick. Um, so that's the, the, that is the take home message is get your horses vaccinated. If your horses aren't vaccinated, then then obviously uh, be very sensible with where you take them, what you do with them. Um, so, yeah, there, there is an element of collective responsibility, really, with everybody having to, to act together to, to, to stop this disease spreading any further. Um, it's interesting that the non-vaccinated horse died. Is that because vaccinated horses haven't caught it? Or, I don't know, do the vaccinations somehow mean that they've already got some sort of immunity against it? Yeah, well, exactly. That's that's obviously the point of vaccination is to boost immunity. It's not vaccination is not a magic force field around the horse that stops the virus entering, um, but vaccination boosts the immune system so that uh, the vaccine doesn't take hold. And in an ideal world, there wouldn't be any any signs of disease at all, and the horse wouldn't shed any virus at all. And in most vaccinated cases, that seems that seems to be 
what is happening. Uh, however, there are some if they if they've not got particularly brilliant immunity uh, from the vaccine, depending on timing, uh, or if they face a very uh, high viral challenge, uh, then the immunity that's engendered through vaccination can be overcome. But even then, they will still only shed very small amounts of that uh, of virus, and the clinical signs that they have will be absolutely minimum. Whereas, if they've not had immunity boosted by vaccination, um, then the virus is going to take hold. We're going to get the classic clinical signs, uh, and the, those animals are going to shed more virus, which is going to infect more horses. So, what are the clinical signs? So, the classic clinical signs are coughing. A watery nasal discharge, which can turn into a more more milky um, pussy nasal discharge if you get any secondary bacterial infection. A high temperature, more than 38.5 or 39 degrees C. Um, and, and flu, just like it is with people, it's not the common cold. It makes people feel extremely ill. Uh, so if horses get it, then they too will feel extremely ill. They won't want to move. They'll be lethargic. They won't want to eat. They might not want to drink. Um, so they'll be feeling pretty rotten. And is it true that it can affect older horses and, and babies, you know, younger foals quicker? Uh, so Im- immunity is lower in very young animals and it also uh, diminishes slightly in much older animals. But the younger animals, uh, foals, weanlings are certainly at, at considerably greater risk. And that's part of the reason for the actions that have been taken. Bearing in mind we're about to come into the breeding season. If younger animals with less immunity get infected, they are particularly badly uh, uh, diseased. Old, older animals I'd be a little less concerned about, particularly as hopefully most of them have, have, have received a number of vaccinations in their life, which ought to have boosted their immunity. Um, so yeah, it's true what you're saying. Immunity immunity peaks in, in adults and then goes down the other side. But yeah, other than younger animals, I wouldn't be unduly worried, provided they're vaccinated, obviously. Mm. Well, my baby, he's eight months foal. He's just about to have his second vaccination. So we're within the 90 to, was it 90 to 120 days? Um, we have your second vaccination. Yeah. So he's just got into that. Well, second. yeah, that's. Yeah, that's well, that's an interesting point you raised there that so that that window there is put down by the sporting bodies. It isn't necessarily the interval that the manufacturers of the vaccine would recommend. And it isn't necessarily the interval that gives peak immunity. So uh, ideally, the second one will be given at four to six weeks. Um, And there is certainly certainly pressure has been has been put on for quite some time, actually, to get the sporting bodies to actually align their vaccination windows alongside the manufacturer's recommendations uh, such that peak immunity is being generated. A lot of the vaccination intervals that we have uh, for sporting events are pretty historic and are not necessarily in line with current best evidence. So uh, one hopes that one of the things that might come out of this outbreak and everyone being a bit more focused on equine flu is that we may align those recommendations so that we're using vaccines to maximum effect. That would be amazing. Well, I, you know, as owners, we just go on what our vet says. So if my vet says it's 90 to 120 days, then that's what I do. Now, ultimately, I'm on eight weeks now we worked out today, because obviously, I'm, you know, one of the owners that phoned the vet in a panic and said, I know my passport says that I got vaccinated, <laughs> that he got vaccinated the other day. But can you just check that we're still okay? Um, and, and actually, one horse was fine. But Sonny, the foal, uh, no, he, he was due for his second one. So I'm just hoping, you know, he's going to come and do that on Thursday I'm just hoping that that will make him safe and do you think that'll make him at peak then 
Uh, there are lo- well, there are loads of factors that affect immunity and, and vaccines and vaccine response is only one of them. But yeah, after uh, within a week, 10 days of second vaccination, you've got a pretty good level of protection. So you've got some protection already, um, but that will that will will be bolstered by that second vaccine. Now, interestingly, the second thing they said is normally we only have our, va- our vaccinations once a year annually. Um, but there's been advice saying that if it's over six months, so if it was over six months ago you had your vaccination, then to get another booster done now. Is that something that you'd recommend moving forward? Do you think we should get vaccinations every six to eight months rather than yearly? Yeah, well, I think so. There's a balance, isn't there? Um, obviously, the cost implications of vaccination and, and uh, people are, are very aware of what it costs to keep a horse. So uh, what we don't want is to make it more expensive such that people are actually discouraged from vaccinating. However, the science is pretty clear that six monthly vaccination does boost levels of immunity. Um, immunity is not black and white. It's not all or nothing. Uh, it's a continuum. And the longer it goes, uh, after that week, 10 days for, for immunity to peak after a vaccination, levels of antibodies will start to wane. Uh, and so the more frequently, within reason, you can overdo it, but within reason, the more frequently you vaccinate, the better immunity is going to be. So th- there is good scientific evidence that uh, vaccinating every six months is is much better than vaccinating every 12 months, which is why the FEI some years ago brought in six monthly vaccination and why the BHA at the start of December in response to these flu cases insisted that racehorses also received vaccines every six months. So there is a, there is a case uh, for that becoming standard across the industry, um, but it is a balance. Like I say, we don't want it to cost people too much money such that they don't vaccinate at all. So, David, did the, the, this flu start in December? Uh, well, yes. There have been cases from around Northern Europe at the end of last year, um, and we don't know how yet. Um, well, we don't even know for sure yet, but we've got similar similar types of flu in the UK, end of December into January, and it's it's probable that we'll identify links between the different uh, different outbreaks. So, yeah, so the BHA took that move quite proactively at the beginning of December saying, well, look, we know there's more flu floating about. Um, and they suggest or they insisted on six monthly vaccination at that point. Well, you know, I'm really glad, I'm really pleased that they made that decision. But I'm also slightly irritated that I didn't know about that. And it's taken two months for us to actually find out that there is a flu around. It, I mean, what? what Pretty, do you- yeah, well, yeah, you well, well, yeah, don't be irritated. Flu's around all the time. Everyone's very excited at the moment because it's gotten the racing population and racing has stopped. Um, but uh, flu is always cropping up. It, it, it is something that is endemic to the UK. Um, what makes it slightly different this time is the is the fact that it, it got into the to the racing population and got into horses that were known to have travelled across the UK um, at race meetings, and the fact that some vaccinated horses have shown mild signs. And again, that's not that unprecedented. That happened in outbreaks between 2013 and 2015 in the UK. So it, it happens, but it, it was the it was the alarm bells rang because of of the the various different risk factors um, that were all coming together, which could could have spelt uh, a major epidemic. So so action was taken. But we we vets get alerts when flu outbreaks happen. But the vast majority of flu outbreaks are one or two horses, mild clinical signs in usually hopefully vaccinated. Uh, in, in sorry, in a population, it's usually unvaccinated horses that get flu. But we hope that a large number of the population are vaccinated, such that 
that the um, the vaccine uh, will the vaccine will effectively contain the outbreak if vaccinated horses aren't getting clinical signs and aren't shedding. So most flu cases are not a drama at all. Vets will know about them, but I think horse owners would very soon lose interest if we told them every single time a flu case was identified in the UK. Mm-hmm. We'll do that risk assessment for them. Mm-hmm. Most practices will tell their clients if there's a flu case located in the immediate area, and again, we use that as a uh, to try and persuade clients to increase the level of vaccination, but sadly that often does fall on deaf ears. Um, so yeah, this, the, it, the situation currently is a little different because because there's probably been a st- slight mutation in the strain, so that there is um, some, albeit very mild, disease in in horses that are vaccinated, and that's the minority of vaccinated horses. Most of them are very well protected, and just because it was in these horses that travelled to a number of race meetings has made the situation quite unique. Mm. But actually, out with out with race the number of outbreaks is is really quite small um so the risk to the general horse population is not that much higher than it is the rest of the time oh goodness i wish i'd spoken to you a week ago you've made me feel much better there's me you know i'm changing my welly boots i'm not visiting any other yards i've electric fenced away from the public footpath you know there is no way i'm gonna let my horses get this flu Well, all of those, they're all wise precautions, which we wish everyone would take all the time. But um, but yeah, there's a balance. Okay. Well, um, how then in the future then, obviously we want to get everybody vaccinated, but how do you think we're going to be able to prevent something like this happen again, not just with flu, but with the other infectious diseases? Because it is hard when we're traveling the country and going to competitions and as as safe as we want to be as safe as we can what i found fascinating and i and i'm so pleased to see it is uh, people sharing their stories of their farriers and their vets um doing great biosecurity so you know the farriers are, are disinfecting in between every client and washing their feet down it reminded me a bit about when we had foot and mouth disease and i thought how great would it be if we could continue this and to carry on the disinfecting in between well, it would be great, but the reality is people will get complacent again, won't they? Um, flu isn't flu isn't foot and mouth, thank goodness. Um, having been involved in that outbreak as well, but um, but it, yes, yeah, it, it's still a very serious and highly infectious disease. Um, I, I think some lessons will be learned. All the information that's been generated through this outbreak will all get fed in and, and will inform how we manage future future outbreaks and how we minimise risk of spread whilst uh, trying to minimise the amount of disruption in the equine industry. Uh, I think. Well, I very much hope that we can raise levels of vaccination in UK horses. Our European counterparts have almost ubiquitous vaccination in many countries, um, such that they're really not that bothered. Um, whereas when we've only got 30 or 40 percent of horses vaccinated, we're potentially a lot more a lot more vulnerable. So that is the one thing that needs to change. Um, I think some lessons have probably been learned about how many equestrian events take place with minimum biosecurity and without checking passports and without ensuring that only vaccinated horses attend. Um, So it would be nice to think that uh, there's certainly more more voluntary change on behalf of horse owners, possibly even a bit more regulation from the sporting bodies to try and further minimise the risk. The reality is you're never going to eliminate infectious disease. It is all about minimising the risk of a major outbreak. Mm. Um, it, it does help with things like strangles, though, doesn't it? If you know, if you if you're making sure that you've got good biosecurity and you're not mixing things from different yards, and and I think it's also difficult to monitor the spread of diseases with all these online selling sites and secondhand buying, and it's wow, well, it freaks me out quite a lot. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, well, yeah, there's always going to be potential disease spread, but you're, you're right. Most, most disease control measures um, are common to different diseases. So, so measures that are taken for one are useful for others. Um, so, yeah, that's all, all potentially good. So what would your recommendations be then if you think that your horse might have it, if you're slightly worried about it? Um, maybe you've seen they're a little bit lethargic today. Would it be phone the vet straight away? Well, uh, I suppose a little bit lethargic today. Might I feel a little bit lethargic today because it's been a hard weekend? But uh, that might be might be a bit might be a bit over the top. I would take its temperature first off. If it's got a high temperature and it's got any other suggestion, then phone your vet. The likelihood is it isn't going to be flu because there are many other things that are going to cause a high temperature. And like I say, the risk the risk. Uh, the risk is is not that much higher to be honest than it is most of the time particularly outside racing um so yeah but it's it's far better to be safe than sorry speak to your vet what what we absolutely don't want is is cases of flu sitting around for a day or two while people think about it and the potential then for spread so so yeah if you've got got those classic signs or a combination of them not many horses are going to show all of them but cough high temperature or food lethargic uh, then phone your vet we're all taking stacks of calls every day we like we don't mind uh, far better safe than sorry so um yeah speak to your vet don't don't move anything on, on and off the property and minimize movement around the yard until you establish what's going on the likelihood is the vet's going to want to come out and, and see the horse he might be able to dismiss it as not flu down the phone but probably going to want to come and have a look at the horse and depending on what we find we may or may not need to do some testing to demonstrate whether it is or isn't flu and whilst there's any doubt obviously biosecurity measures and and minimizing the movement of horses but yeah you're the involvement of your vet is absolutely key. Well, David, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're so busy, but taking the time to talk to us today and um, settling our brains a little bit because we have been panicked. And it's in a weird way, it's nice to know that it's not that big. You know, it's not an epidemic. We have managed to stop it. Well, we hope we've managed to stop it. We'll find out tonight, won't we? Well, well, yeah, we'll find out a bit more information tonight um, in terms of the results that uh, the results of the, the testing that's been done at Animal Health Trust over the weekend. But um, it would be naive, unfortunately, to think that that'll be it over by tonight. Um, it, it will have to run its course. Um, but uh, yeah, well, fingers crossed, it will be contained relatively easily. But how then- long do you think? How you know? What's a, what's? Have you got a time scale? Have you been told anything? Uh, well, no one knows. Is the honest answer to that. Um, it all depends, and that's why the mon- that's why the monitoring goes on. But as long as people act responsibly, we ought to contain it relatively, relatively swiftly within a period of weeks. One would hope, and I'm sure we can get back to some level of normality before then. People have cited Australia, where racing stopped for six months, but the situation in Australia was completely different in that they don't have flu in that country. None of the horses are vaccinated. None of them have any immunity to it whatsoever. So, uh, so using that as a benchmark is totally inappropriate. Um, but I couldn't honestly tell you how long it's going to take. Is there a risk, David, that if we can, if we vaccinate more than we have been so far, that we'll end up building resistance, like what's happened with wormers? No, no, it's totally different. Um, so um, that that issue is there for for bacteria and for for parasites, um, but viruses are are somewhat somewhat different. So we don't need to be concerned. Uh, about them developing resistant they will mute they will mutate anyway whatever we do um and it isn't the same as the selection pressure being pushed by antibiotics or or antelmintic so different scenario but we don't 